Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. Happy New Year to you. Glad to be done with 2023. Certainly from a personal standpoint, wasn't the best year for me or my family. A lot of bad stuff happened. So we're all looking forward to 2024. How about you, Dr. Bob? I always look forward to the new year. It's um, I have a hard time looking back sometimes. Things move so fast. But 2023 wasn't the best year. I mean, just politics have been crazy. And uh, the world has been crazy. <laughs> I don't know if 2024 is going to be much better from that standpoint, though. Right. I mean, <laughs> it feels like we're heading towards a civil war. Yeah. Any New Year's resolutions before we get going? No, I don't really Do believe it. Like, no. I didn't peg you as a guy that would be in a New Year's resolutions. I'm not either, really. I will say this. I'm going to pat myself on the back. Today is three years alcohol-free for me. I attempted a dry January three years ago, a day late, of course, since it is the second, and liked it. So continue to not drink. So if any, I, I mainly bring that up. If anybody's listening right now and you're just tired of drinking, stop. You Good might advice. be surprised by yeah. how much you enjoy not drinking. So we have a jam-packed show. You have somewhere to be. You want to tell folks where? <laughs> I would just say I'm going to um, do a Zoom interview. I don't know if it's, you know, you never know if it's just background for them or not. But it's sure. with a national news organization. It's about the caucuses. All right. And, yeah, we will get to the caucuses here pretty quickly. We do have a couple of big local Iowa news stories right off the bat. One good, one bad. Then we will talk about the caucuses less than two weeks away. It's on January 15th. Then towards the end, we're going to be talking about AI again. That's sort of my pet project, talking about artificial intelligence. But it's really been in some major news because the New York Times has sued some of the biggest AI companies around. And then at the end, we've got the top five this week, top five TV villains. So I think you'll get a kick out of that. So we will start with Iowa Coast to Coast, some Iowa news. This is from the Des Moines Register. An Iowa law requiring schools to remove books depicting sex acts and prohibiting instruction about gender identity or sexual orientation in kindergarten through sixth grades cannot be enforced while a legal challenge continues, a federal judge ruled on Friday. U.S. District Court Judge Stephen Locker, however, declined to grant an injunction against the part of the law requiring school districts to notify parents if a student requests an accommodation related to gender identity, such as asking to be addressed by a different name or pronouns. The ruling comes in separate injunction requests, one brought by the GLBT Youth and Iowa Task Force, and the other by Penguin Random House Books and the Iowa State Education Association, just days before penalties for violating the law had been scheduled to take effect on January 1st. Friday's ruling temporary blocks enforcement of the school book restrictions and the prohibition on teaching about LGBTQ concepts in elementary schools. But the legal battle is far from over. The two lawsuits, which argue the law is not constitutional, will continue to advance through the courts until a final ruling is reached. Governor Kim Reynolds said in a statement she was, quote, extremely disappointed by the decision, of course. She said that. Right. And it, they so overreach to try to make a point. These things aren't being taught in kindergarten. The kindergartners aren't being shown or reading about explicit sex acts. And so they act like they are, but they're not. Now, the issue then becomes if a kid has two dads or two moms and they ask, how was your holidays? 
and the kid says, well, yeah, my mom's gave me this, or my dad's gave me this, then that they can't talk about their moms and dads, that's a problem. Right. That's telling the kids, your family unit should not exist. You can't talk about them. What do you think that's going to do to a kindergartner who loves her moms or dads? They're going to be ashamed of their moms yeah, and dads. Yeah, and that's what, that's what they want right. to happen. Yes. Yeah. So, that's the goal. Of it. Yeah, what other the goal. goal could there possibly be? Yeah, so it's it's a good court decision. We'll see. I mean, when you see the books that are being taken out of schools, my color, you know, the color purple. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just... The bluest eye. I mean, many books by people of color, many books by people that are lesbian or gay or bisexual, transsexual. So it's apparent from the get-go the kinds of people that they were targeting and the kind of information that they wanted to be kept out of public schools. Right. And it's an infinitely better idea. I'm being sarcastic here. It's an infinitely better idea for the middle schoolers and the high schoolers to learn about this stuff on the internet rather than having a caring teacher or librarian address the issues with them. It's odd because it does seem like this conversation happens in a vacuum where the internet does not exist. Like the right. only information available to these kids is in a school library. Where it's like the school library, I'm sorry to say in many instances, especially when it comes to books, is being unused by current middle schoolers and high schoolers. It was when I was in high school. I'm not saying anything against today's kids, but if they're reading, they're reading on a tablet, on their computer, on their phone, for the most part. Right, and the kids are given tablets by Exactly, schools. I mean, that's how, right. you know, we have a freshman in high school. We haven't seen her with an actual school book for the past probably three or four years. She just does not have textbooks. It's all on a tablet. Right. Yeah, a lot of them are. It's cheaper that way. And right. That's how the kids read, and we want them reading. Exactly. So, yeah, just that whole idea that, oh, if we can just protect and shield their eyes from this sort of information while they're in school, it's like, come on. Right. Do you actually live in the real world? Right. But they, they know they can't ban the Internet, but and they don't really want to ban the books either. They just want power and, you know put their, their views on everybody, and they want to undermine a school district so that they can make them all private schools. Well, yeah, they want to take our money and yeah, give it to, right. to churches and then turn the public schools into churches as well, right. basically. So, this is, so that was the good news. At least some of those things, knock on wood, may not actually become law, and then they are at least on hold for now. Now we get to the bad news, and we've talked about this from the beginning of our podcast in episode one about the importance of feeding kids, the SNAP program, and how beneficial it is for pretty much everybody involved. So this is from the Iowa Capital Dispatch. The Iowa uh, Department of Education and Health and Human Services notified the U.S. Department of Agriculture that Iowa will not participate in a program that provides additional food assistance for children during the summer, the state announced on Friday. The two Iowa departments, alongside Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, released a statement that they plan on, quote, enhancing and expanding already existing childhood nutrition programs instead of participating in the Summer Electronic Benefits Transfer for Children's program in 2024. The program, also known as Summer EBT, provides families with children who are eligible for free or reduced price meals at school with an EBT card allowing them to purchase $40 of food per child each month when school is not in session. In the release, the Iowa officials criticized the Summer EBT program for not having, quote, a strong nutrition focus 
and said the program would cost Iowa $2.2 million as states are required to cover part of the program's administrative costs. Reynolds said in a statement, and this is just laughable, but I will quote her here, Federal COVID-era cash benefit programs are not sustainable and don't provide long-term solutions for the issues impacting children and families. An EBT card does nothing to promote nutrition at a time when childhood obesity has become an epidemic. HHS and the Department of Education have well-established programs in place that leverage partnerships with community-based providers and schools who understand the needs of the families they serve. And all of the food bank people that I know and follow on Twitter or talk to, they're just livid. Right. Because they're already... They're slammed. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely slammed. And, you know, and the childhood obesity, that's a red herring. Exactly. I mean, mean, so our kids are too chubby, so we're going to starve them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that the rationale? That's what it looks like. I mean, yeah, I don't really know any way else you could spend it. That just also shows... That whoever's writing this stuff isn't very bright. Right. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Well, and let's tell some truth about this program as well, because they talk about the nutrition part of it. And if you really did want to do that, you could tie it to, you know, we have like the WIC program that does have restrictions on what you can and cannot buy with, with the WIC card. So if you wanted to do those sorts of things, you could do those sorts of things. It wouldn't, you, it's not like you'd have to create a whole new pamphlet or restrictions. You could just say, okay, here's what you can and can't buy. And that way we can make sure that you're not going out and buying a bunch of Hostess cupcakes or whatever their issue might be. And then the other thing is they always talk about fraud. And there's the last time that they actually have statistics for this was in 2020. And there was three prosecuted cases of fraud which accounted for like one-tenth of one percent of all people that are actually in the program. Oh, and by the way, this past legislative session, they just made it more difficult for people to get on SNAP benefits. So they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. Oh, yeah, we really care about children. Oh, and by the way, you can't have an abortion anymore because we really care about kids and we're pro-life, but we're not going to feed them once they're actually born. Well, and, and their rationale... Probably is. I'm just thinking. Well, for you know, first we have to look to the West. Nebraska's governor, who's the biggest hog baron in the state, said he doesn't believe in welfare. Yeah. When you know he gets all kinds of sub- subsidies to stabilize his business, we can't give kids subsidies to stabilize their their lives. existence, right. their lives. But you know, he said he doesn't believe in welfare. It's just ridiculous. But anyway. <sighs> You know, I've talked to enough people over the years that they say that if you're in trouble, you know, the conservatives, well, what I used to would have called conservatives because there's nothing conservative about these, these current, the mega people, yeah. But they'd say, if you're, in tr- if you're in trouble, you just need to work harder. You just need, you should turn to your family, not the government. And right. then or the turn, church. Or the church. And that's what they will say. And the church people I've said this to, they're, you know, say that we can barely keep our doors open. Exactly. Anyway, you know, the smaller churches. Yeah, this isn't the 1800s where churches are just flush with cash because right. everybody's a church goer. Like, yeah. good luck going to the church and asking for food. So it's a very Darwinian kind of world. I mean, they don't want the teaching of Darwinism in school, but it's a very Darwinian world. They're... A very draconian world that they want to create, all to all to manipulate. Um, ultimately, I've said this time and time again: public money into private hands, and 
public kids and public dollars into religious schools. Right. Yeah, they want our tax dollars to go to businesses, not to actually helping fellow citizens, right. not to build a society. Right. And you know, we're sitting on this big budget. And plus, that's the other thing too. Two point two million dollars, like that, cannot be the reason no. why you're not doing this. We're sitting on how many billions of dollars, which are federal dollars for the most part, by the yeah. way, that we all paid for, and we're not getting any of that back. And I understand when you pay taxes, you don't necessarily get to decide. Especially, I live in Iowa. I'm surrounded by Republicans. I have a Republican governor. I'm represented by Republicans in the Senate and the House, but. I can at least say on this podcast that I would much rather have my money go to kids that are hungry during the summer because they don't have school lunches than to, let's say, a hog farmer because he didn't have as good of a year as he was expecting. Well, yeah, and that and that that stability is built in that system. There's no stability built in the, in the 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 food system. Right. And you know, and Margaret Mead said this like in 1960. You know, in an address to the, oh, the uh, um, American Anthropological Association, she said, if, if we had a department of food, we would feed everybody. Instead, we have a department of agriculture that has a lot of other responsibilities. But we need a department of food. And, I mean, the fact of the matter, if, if the goal of agriculture were to feed the hungry people of the world, we could do it. The goal of agriculture is profit. Right. And so... Especially in this state. Yeah. Yeah, especially. The profit is the expense of everything, including our water, our air. Yeah. Well, yeah, and obviously the balance of power is completely tipped on the favor of the producers because they're the ones that can afford all the lobbyists and they can afford to buy Congress people and buy senators, whereas poor kids don't have near that power. Right. They don't have any power. Right. And it's not the producers. It's the it's the agribusinesses that purchase the products. Yeah, I mean, that's semantics. I mean, that is what I meant by producers. I didn't mean the farmers themselves. I know that they're part of that system and don't necessarily like a lot of that system. But it's just, it's frustrating (laughs) that there's this money out there that, Again, we have paid the mostly federal tax dollars. Plus, if we had to pitch in $2.2 million, I think most most Iowans would be glad to, to do that program. Yeah. By the way, we are less than a week away from the Iowa legislature, uh, legislature getting back in session. So, <laughs> yippee, here we go again. It feels like I haven't even recovered from what they did last time, and here we go less than a week away on Monday, January 1st, or Monday, January 8th, pardon me, is when they'll be back in session. Yeah, what they, the first goal is tax cuts. Right. (laughs) When they can't run the government now. Right. And the school voucher program was much more expensive than they thought it was going to be in the first place, so that's just going to be a complete cluster in a couple of years. I think that we're going to, they're not telling us this, but I think that we're going to start seeing infrastructure bills being passed for the um, private schools. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, that's the next step. Yeah, we're, and the Iowa Constitution says we're not; it's taxpayer dollars aren't supposed to go to religious institutions, and yet here we here they are. Right. 
Let's get into some uh, political news, some cop talk for this week. I wanted to go through the latest Iowa poll numbers. This is from 538.com, so kind of an average of the Iowa polls. Trump continues to dominate with an even 50%. Ron DeSantis is second with 18.4%. Nikki Haley is third right behind DeSantis with 15.7%. And Vivek Ramaswamy is pulling 6%. Chris Christie is right about 3.5%. And Asa Hutchinson is there. So Trump is going to win it all, right? Well, it looks like that. And I've been thinking a lot about this. And one of the reasons that I think is that people don't talk about and that you wouldn't talk about unless you've been to a Trump rally is that Trump is an incredible entertainer. Absolutely. There's just, it's just all kinds of exciting things going on. It's cosplay. Everybody's wearing their gear, trying to outdo each other. It's, you know, it's, it's sort of like the Star Wars bar scene when you're at a Trump rally. You know, all the different people. Or like Comic-Con. You yeah, know, Where everybody's exactly dressed like up Comic-Con. in different things yeah. or different characters and they're all playing their roles and they've all got their favorite bits. Yeah. And, yeah, and then this big, you know, short, punchy... Uh, talks coming into it you know evoking god and patriotism and it's just this whole swirl of you know activities you know lots of endorphins being fired you know people you know anxiety you know um, emotion music it's just like it's just pure craziness. And you, you can go to other events. You, you know, I've been to lots of other events and you can have the same, you know, you can have some kind of excitement for, you know, other politicians, but there's nobody that's a showman he is. And I don't think he's given enough credit for that. But it's just, oh, you know, you can say, oh, I'm going to go to a Nikki Haley rally, you know, and you might get excited if you're Republican or, you know, Ron. DeSantis. I mean, I saw a thousand people with Ron DeSantis, but it still did nothing like Trump. And the Democrats, nothing like that. That's a good point. And I don't know how many Democrats would admit this, but if Trump was a Democrat, how many people would love him that currently hate him? Because let's be real here. A lot of the things that he's saying, he doesn't truly believe. He's just saying it because he knows it will get a reaction. And there's a big swath of America that agrees with him or agrees with that, whatever that is, whether it's immigration or slamming women or just generally being a misogynistic, racist asshole. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, my point is, I think that he could, he could do so much good with that power, but he just is a complete charlatan. Well, he always, he said, you know, what, 20 years ago, if he ever ran for president, he would run as a Republican because... And I don't believe this, but he said because Republicans are dumb. Uh, fake quote. Oh, is it a yes. fake quote? Yeah. Oh. Well, so he's setting the I record straight here. I stand corrected. Yeah. I thought I, I saw believe, a video of him. Uh, I believe that was a quote. I think they said that he said it on like the Phil Donahue show, but that is not real. Oh, okay. So there you go. You learn something new every day, Dr. Right. No, I'm happy to be wrong. Yes, especially I mean, about that. But I mean, the thing is... The point stands. I'm pretty sure that that's something that he does know and believe. I mean, he ran as a Republican because he thought he would have a better chance to win. I mean, that's just the way it is. So whether he said it or not, that's what he did. 
This is from the AP. This has gotten quite a bit of publicity over the past week or so. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley was asked at a New Hampshire town hall about the reason for the Civil War, and she didn't mention slavery in her response. She walked back her comments hours later, asked during last Wednesday night's town hall in Berlin what she believed had caused the war, the first shots of which were fired in her home state of South Carolina. Haley talked about the role of government, replying that it involved, quote, the freedoms of what people could and couldn't do, end quote. She then turned the question back to the man who had asked it. He replied that he was not the one running for president and wished instead to know her answer. After Haley went into a lengthier explanation about the role of government, individual freedom, and capitalism, the questioner seemed to admonish Haley, saying, quote, In the year 2023, it's astonishing to me that you, are, that you answer that question without mentioning the word slavery. Haley retorted, What do you want me to say about slavery? Before abruptly moving on to the next question. Yeah, she blew it. To you and me. I don't think she blew it with the Republicans. That's the thing. She's running for the Republican nomination. We just talked about two episodes ago how much Trump is getting more and more love for Nazi rhetoric. Right. She's saying what the Republicans want to hear. I should say not saying what they don't want to hear. But, I mean, how stupid do you have to be to think slavery wasn't, you know, a part of the Civil War? I know it's the... You know, the myth of the lost cause and stuff like that. that's the the myth, yes. Yeah, but it's just... Absolutely was the number one reason for secession. Well, right. Doesn't doesn't South Carolina, you know, say it in their articles of succession? The first thing they mention is that, I guess, the animosity from the northern states or the non-slaveholding states towards the slaveholding states is... Become yeah. an issue in so many words is the number one thing in their articles of secession, which, by the way, she was the governor of that state. So she knows that slavery yeah. was the main cause. My, I'm just saying that she can't say that because a lot of Republicans are racist. Yeah, I know you don't like to speak that broadly, but it's just the absolute truth. Donald Trump would not be the the number one person in the polls right now and had already been president for four years if there weren't a whole ton of racists in the Republican Party. I think that some of it's racism. I think some of it's fear of change when they start seeing a lot of people not like them around them. What's another name for that? Well, Racism doesn't have to be a choice necessarily. It's not like these people wake up every single day and choose to be racist, but when your reaction to seeing change is, let's make sure that those people can't be a part of America. No, I understand that. But if 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 you're an old guy and you're old and your neighborhood that used to all be white is surrounded by non-white people, and all of a sudden you're experiencing what a minority feels, it doesn't mean that you're necessary. It creates anxiety. And worry when your whole neighborhood changes, and it's, it's. I don't think that everybody is a racist in that situation. I think that there there is anxiety. There's lack of knowledge. There's lack of understanding or appreciation of other cultures. And but the proof is in the pudding. She won't even say the freaking word slavery. Right. That's. I'm not making that up. I mean, I'm I'm pointing out. I'm connecting the fact that there's a lot of racists. 
And Nikki Haley, who is a smart woman, who was, again, the governor of South Carolina, knows that slavery was the number one issue that caused the Civil War. When she she's can't say that. that. Yeah. No. What does I, that say I, about the party she's running to represent? Right, but I'm just saying that her saying that doesn't believe that that old guy sharing anxiety wouldn't say that slavery was a Sure, problem. and I, I will also, I guess, I agree. And I don't think the Republican Party is full of racists. That's not what I said. That's not what I mean to say. But my point stands. She's in New Hampshire, man. Right. She's in a free state. Probably one of the freest states. Isn't that live free or die? Isn't that New Hampshire? Yeah, that's right. And she can't say slavery was a freaking problem, that it was part, even part. She didn't even have to say that it was the number one issue. She could have said and slavery was a, was a part of it or whatever. But to not even, and then to, to reply with what do you want me to say about slavery? Yeah. Well, I mean, she's a governor of a southern state. She should be able to say that. She, she should be prepared for that question. Right. Instead, she says, oh, that was a Democratic plant. Like, that's relevant. Right. It's a, it's a simple question that she failed. And that's, that's, that's something you say after the fact when you know you've been hacked. And I guess part of my point is if you start calling everybody racist, that's a Republican. That hardens them. They resent that. That's not giving them an on-ramp to go anywhere else. Because once you're called that, then it's, there's going to be resistance and anger. Well, yeah, trust me. That's no. what we're living through right now. I'm I know. I just all across the. It's country. just too blunt. And I said, did I not open up this podcast by saying we're headed towards a civil war in 2024? Well, yeah, maybe. I and think. it's not because you or me are calling people racist. And if you're racist, if, first of all, if you're offended by me saying that you're a racist because you think that you know we shouldn't allow immigrants into this country or that. Your neighborhood should just be white people. Like this is not, this is not 1920. This is 2023, right? And this is America. This isn't. But to them, well, to some of them, I just don't like to paint such a broad brush with that kind of an ac accusation. I know, but I'm just looking at the facts. Donald Trump was president for four years. How the fuck did that happen? A whole bunch of racists voted for him. Right. But not all of them are racist. Correct. And I didn't say they were. Okay. And I don't mean to imply that every Republican or that everybody that voted for Trump is racist. That's obviously not the case. All that's, right. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely not the case. But we're talking about like a large portion of them, though. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. You know, this isn't just, we talked about how he's using this Nazi rhetoric and how a couple episodes ago we talked about how he's saying things that you used to see on dark corners of the web and Stormfront right. and those sorts of things. And now he's using them as applause lines and, and speeches. I'm not the one taking crazy pills. I'm not the one that's seeing him do this stuff and then saying, well, they're not so racist or there's not that many racists. And I know you're not saying it either. I know you're just a little bit more cautious and you try to get people on your side. Probably more than I do. I don't necessarily... I just want, I just want to have... I, I don't... Sometimes name-calling is okay when you know that it is. Otherwise, other times, 
when you know the situation, when the person says racist things to you, you know that's a racist. Right. And then you say, hey, you're a racist, buddy. You know, I just don't think, I don't think it's productive unless you have the clear evidence about, I deal with this person-by-person person thing, and I'm not going to sit there and tell every Republican friend of mine that they're a racist. Sure, and you, Trump. you even more so than me, but I think we're both in agreement that words do matter, and specific right. words even more so matter than, right. than other words. They matter, and I'm only going to use words like that when the, I know that they're true. It's verifiable truth. Yeah. yeah, we're in agreement. And they say I'm a white supremacist. And I'm saying, well, yeah, well, okay. Well, it's like, you know, I was t- I'm not going to say who, but a member, uh, member of my family here for uh, the holidays came out and said that, you know, he's a libertarian, thought the January 6th people had a point to make, the insurrection had a point to make. And I said, okay, well, we'll just stop talking then, because if you're an insurrectionist, there's nowhere we're going to go. That's positive. Right. And so I just stopped. He is an insurrectionist. I don't think he's racist, but I guess I didn't give him an opportunity to be racist because I shut it down. I really don't think he is. But it's like when there's a when there's there's a point when there's no more conversation. I don't like to get to that point. Right. Yeah. You like to keep things open ended. Right. But I'm not, I, and not shut people out. Right. Invite people in, especially on the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> we got worked up about that, didn't we? Uh, no, not. That was good. Um, so let's get into saying more people should have conversations like that. Agree. Uh, by the way, before we wrap up cock talk for this week, you had mentioned last time that you were maybe going to be going to the debate. It's on January tenth. Are you still planning on going to that? That is five days before the the caucus night. It's January sixth, the one I'm going to. There's another one later, maybe the tenth. Gotcha. I, C- I think CNN is. Oh, on that the debate. I'm sorry. I was thinking Trump rally. I've put him for my press pass. I don't yeah. know if I'm going to get it or not. But yeah, and I did see that Trump will be, he's going to be at Dort University, which, funnily enough, Dort is where he originally said I could go out and shoot somebody yeah. on Fifth Avenue and not lose one vote. And then he's going to, as you mentioned, he's going to be in Indianola at, I believe, on Simpson College's campus. Yes. Uh, the day before the caucus, I think January 14th is when he's going to be in Indianola. I'm not positive about that, but I know it's like right before the caucus day. Yeah, and he's going to be in Newton on the 6th, the third anniversary, and I'm going to go to that. Ooh, that could be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So yeah, it's all coming at us very fast. Like I said, the legislative session starts next Monday, and then we'll have the caucus night the Monday after that. So here we go. So, yeah, <laughs> plenty of stuff to be talking about over the past or next uh, month or so. Yeah, well, and if you've got, um, if you're a Democrat, you can sign up to get your, you know, your preference card. Yeah, and send that in, and it's like <laughs> I start going to get my preference card. It's like more internet crap. Right. I have to but print have this to print out, and I have to mail it in. Right. And I thought, no, no, I'm not going to do it. So. I'm not, am I being lazy? Yeah, probably. But I, we deal with so much internet stuff. Yeah. I mean, just let me vote. You've got my, you know, I guess more than one person can use a, you know, 
um, the address, the internet address, but it's, there's got to be a very well. We sign things. Well, remember all the, the time. Republicans made it so you couldn't do the mail-in. Like you had to have a in order to be a caucus and to have it be the first in the nation, you had to have basically an in-person caucus. So they were trying to make it as difficult as possible yeah. for people to do what we all just want to do: mail something in. You send me the card. I just right. You know, fill in who I want to vote and send it back to you. I guess what I'm just gonna, like they would for like an absentee ballot. What I'm going to do is lower expectation for the returns. <laughs> because, well, yeah, I mean, I I think it's going to be pretty abysmal yeah. for yeah the Democratic turnout, if you want to call it turnout. Yeah, because yeah, the caucuses are going to be pretty much just as what they're somewhat intended to be is a, a county you know party event more than anything else, just electing right. your yeah your county president and and delegates and all that sort of stuff. So so let's take a wider scope. This is from KCCI. The New York Times has sued OpenAI and Microsoft for copyright infringement, alleging that the company's artificial intelligence technology illegally copied millions of Times articles to train ChatGPT and other services to provide people with information, technology that now competes with the Times. The complaint is the latest in a string of lawsuits that seek to limit the use of alleged scraping of wide swaths of content from across the internet without compensation to train so-called large language artificial intelligence models. Actors, writers, journalists, and other creative types who post their works on the internet fear that AI will learn from their material and provide competitive chatbots and other sources of information without proper compensation. The Times, in its complaint, said that it it objected when it discovered months ago that its work had been used to train the company's large language models. Starting in April, the Times said it began negotiating with OpenAI and Microsoft to receive fair compensation and set terms of an agreement. But the Times alleges it has been unable to reach a resolution with the companies. Microsoft and OpenAI claim that the Times' works are considered, quote, fair use, which gives them the ability to use copyrighted material for a, quote, transformative purpose, the complaint states. Well, we'll see. I wish the Times the best of luck. I mean, because it's it's just once more, once more, you know, the rich people at the top are going to uh, suck all of you know, our hard work Great. and take it into... So they can make money off of it. And yeah. So it's, yeah, no, it's a good thing. And it, Liz Lenz, um, former uh, writer for the Gazette, writes uh, her own uh, Substack column. And uh, she had something really interesting to say about it recently. But she's, uh, and I agree that you know, there, it's just the sweat off of our backs that we're getting not any compensation for. I remember I had a, a Yellow Cab, a book I wrote and um, well, it was published, I think, in 2006. But anyway, I got a, a letter from Google once and asking me, they wanted rights for it forever for like $6. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. And so, but now they've, you know, Google was going to pay me 6 bucks. Now they're not going to pay anything off of any of the content any of us produce. Right. And they're just going to make money off of it. Yeah. And maybe destroy the earth, you know. Just further, they will use our honest writing and words and art and all that to be used to undermine the, 
you know, the information. I know that there are, you know, Steve Bannon types out there creating all kinds of internet content that's all full of lies and misinformation that'll be perceived by AI to be the truth. It's just, you know, I don't know. They're, they're using it to make money and turn the world into a hellscape of misinformation. Yeah. And not only that, but just to produce, I mean... I've heard stories about just the servers that are required to do this work, this artificial intelligence. I'm using quotation marks because I really don't think we're there yet. Even the father, quote unquote, of AI doesn't think we actually have artificial intelligence yet, but we will. But they're using up all of our water just to cool these servers down, which is making our water more expensive because there's less water to go around. And there was just a case not too long ago in some state, I can't remember where it was, but yeah, they wanted to hook up to the municipal line and negotiate with the town. And this guy came to speak at the city council meeting saying like, this is absolute craziness that they wanna pay our rate and then our rates are gonna (laughs) skyrocket because they're hooked on our line and we have less water to go around. And then what happens if there actually is a drought? You're going to choose Google over me? <laughs> Who gets the water? Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is, I don't know the answer to that in some cases. Who gets the water? And that's going to be something else to watch out for, too, with AI and more and more computers needing water to cool themselves down. Right. I've just waited till there's... St- I'm just waiting till the next thing they privatize is water. Yeah. Yeah. So, they yeah. Time for some good news. Brian Ferentz coached his final game as an Iowa Hawkeye in a 35-0 loss to Tennessee in the Citrus Bowl. His replacement is expected to be hired in the near future. I have no expectations for the incoming offensive coordinator or for the Iowa Hawkeye. I didn't watch any of the bowl game, and I'm glad I didn't. Did you watch any of the Citrus Bowl? I tried, but I couldn't figure out where it was on my TV. <laughs> I mean, there's so many channels. And then I tried to use, tried to do it on the radio, and I couldn't find it on the radio. So You didn't miss anything? No, I don't think so. That's two shutouts to end the season. One was against Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game, and as I mentioned, 35-zip was the score in the bowl game against Tennessee. Three different times the Hawkeyes have been shut out this year. They finished the season at 10-4, and four, which is a very good record, but I can't imagine that, I mean, three of their four losses were shutout losses, which can't imagine any other 10-win team in the history of college football being shut out three times. That's, it doesn't make much sense, but good riddance to Brian Ferentz. Anything else that I missed, Doc? I am happy to report that my alma mater will yeah. That's right. So will be in the championship game. Yeah. I'm rooting for him. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan's a bunch of cheaters anyway. Normally I would root for Michigan because I kind of grew up liking Michigan. And with Jim Harbaugh and the cheating and all that sort of stuff that's gone on this year with stealing st- signs and Connor Stallions was yeah. <laughs> working for Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan staff. And he had already had to sit out. I think he had actually sat out a full half of the season due to one cheating allegation or another. And here they are in the national championship game. So I hope your dogs take care of the Wolverines. Yeah, and uh, let me clarify is that my undergraduate degree was at UNI. Correct. So. Grad degree Grad in degree. Seattle at yeah. University of Washington. Right. Yeah. A great place, Bulldogs. great town. I, I definitely, I want to go to Huskies. Yeah. Did I call them the dogs? Call them the Bulldogs. Bulldogs, I'm sorry. They are the Huskies, though. Yeah. You're right. 
Sorry. Uh, top five TV villains. Are you ready for that? <laughs> yeah, sure. We gotta get running anyway because you got that uh, big Zoom meeting coming up. So, mm-hmm. number five, top ti- uh, top five TV villains: Jeremy Jam from Parks and Recreation. Never watched it. Oh, you would love Parks and Rec. That's right up your alley because yeah. it's like half of the shows are like city council meetings, and you would love you would love Parks and Rec. It's a lovely show to begin with, but maybe I'll be, try it. It's right up your alley. Number four is Skeletor. Cartoon, Skeletor. Yeah, I remember Skeletor. You know, Masters of the Universe. One thing I didn't know was Mark Hamill was the voice of Skeletor for a while. No, I didn't know that. Either. Which does make sense. He's does a lot of voice after uh, voice actor work. Famously, the voice of the Joker on the Batman animated se- uh, series. Didn't know that. Number three is Mr. Burns. Another cartoon. I think Mr. Burns looks pretty tame, you know, compared to like, um, <laughs> oh, Joni Ernst or, you know, Ashley well, Henson or Donald Trump, any of the Kim Reynolds. I mean, I don't know. They probably, a lot of those seem to look up to Mr. Burns in one way or the other. No. They yeah, seem to be so one and the same. Know, they're just, at least he didn't try to destroy democracy. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> so since it's, still, it's still going. I think Skeletor would say, hey, you know, I'm, democracy's okay. Yeah, I, I feel like Skeletor would not have been there on January 6th. No. He would have stayed out of it. Yeah, yeah. I like to think so. <laughs> Number two is Walter White. Did you ever watch Breaking Bad? I watched a little bit of With it. Brian Cranston, of course, filmed a lot in uh, your yeah. former yeah. homeland of New Mexico. Yeah, I've watched some of it. I saw how he transitioned from just a guy yeah, needing just a money science to, teacher, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, number one is Sean Hannity. Top five, top five TV villains. Number one, Sean Hannity. He's there. Um, well, I mean, how do you have Tucker Carlson on your list? The reason why is because he's on Twitter now. He's technically not on okay. TV. Because okay. I thought about Bill O'Reilly, too, but he's also just like on the internet. or so I don't even really know what he does and, anymore. But what about the guy with the most punchable face on TV that's also the villain? Uh, Jesse Waters. Exactly. Is that who you That's the one and only I was thinking of. <laughs> Jesse Waters, yeah. The most possible face. He should be in the top five. Didn't he take over for Tucker Carlson's spot, like his time slot or whatever? He's the biggest liar. And he knows he's lying to us. I know. The funny thing is, have you ever seen him? The only time he's actually likable is when he talks about, because his mom is is a Democrat and a liberal. So she'll, like, text him, like, during and after shows of, like, just, what the heck are you saying? You know, so he'll share those sometimes, and that's... The only time he's actually somewhat, other than just a conservative schlub. Yeah, he's bad. He is. Yeah, other villains. I, I think you hit most of them. I think Brett Bear is a villain too. Yeah, he's like he a wolf in sheep's yeah, clothing, kind of. He brings some. Yeah, he brings some kind of credibility. Gravitas. Yeah, yeah, but then he's lying. Right person like the rest of them right so maybe he's the worst maybe it's could be those people that appear that try to appear but not be right you know more reasonable or like Brit Hume yeah <laughs> God Brit Hume oh and, goodness you just saying the name wants me to go take a, sh- I I to go take a shower it really does 
with that, we'll let you go take a shower and get ready for your interview. Uh, Dr. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Happy New Year again. Yep. Uh, glad to be on episode number 37, hard to believe. Wow. Uh, coming up in March, we'll have been doing this for a year. So I can't wait to celebrate a year of doing a podcast with them. So We'll have to do something special, huh? For sure. Maybe have a, like a retrospective uh, show at some point. Have yeah. Like best of. I don't know if I want to put people through that. (laughs) (laughs) No, either. Uh, Pleasure as always, Dr. Bob. See you again next week. Okay.